On the Grindhouse Girls podcast, we discuss all things spoopy, scary, and strange. Some content may be disturbing or graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. be a very so, different movie very different it movie. would be i said it and it i i completely lost my shit it was fucking hilarious but uh yes barbenheimer's this weekend we will be at sidewalk film festival walk well the festival the cinema uh yes. watching it all of the film festivals coming up and they've got they've had their preview night which obviously we're recording on one of those nights so we didn't get to go but one of them is like a, a Lynch Oz movie, and I'm like, ooh, what? David Lynch and Wizard of Oz? What's going on? So I'm kind of excited to see what they have going. Uh, Yeah, how about you? Do you got all your pink stuff set up, Brett? I do, I do. So we are seeing Oppenheimer. So incidentally, me and Taylor started dating 10 years ago this Sunday, which will be July 23rd, ooh. and we got, we got engaged eight years ago on July 23rd. So... I had planned we were going to do, like, a mini vacation. And then we have our foster puppies, which they were like, they're going to be with you a month, and we're coming up on, like, two and a half months, and we love them. So we're we're not, <laughs> we're not, uh, we're not upset that they're still with us. We love them dearly. But we're just like, okay, it's going to be hard finding people to watch four dogs. Uh, we can't ask our family to watch four dogs. So with that yeah. being said, we're actually off on Friday. So we are seeing Oppenheimer Friday night. Uh, and then going with Katie and friends uh, to Barbie at Sidewalk on Saturday. And nice. I can't remember if it was Pluto TV or Tubi TV. But one of the two basically funded all the Barbie show times for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Or was it Peacock? Maybe it was. I feel so guilty. And they I don't think they listed on their Sidewalk site, did they, who sponsored these show times? I don't. Well, I don't know. The only ones now for sale cost money. Yeah. So maybe all the free tickets have already been claimed. I think it's I think it's a really, really cool thing they were doing. Um, which I think it's very interesting because there is like this effect and people have brought up they're like, you know, this isn't the first time two drastically different movies were released, like The Dark Knight and Mamma Mia were released on the same day. So we have kind of seen like <laughs> Yeah, right, right? Like <laughs> we have seen like very different That's movies funny. released on the same day, but I think this is a, the first time that social media has hit this like crescendo of like People are just so fascinated about it, and I, I had to explain to one of one of my male friends because um, he said I'm I'm really excited about Oppenheimer, but he's like I honestly don't get the Barbie thing, and I was like I think like I can't speak for all women, but I think I can speak for like a lot of the women I know that there's something alluring, like there's this multifaceted of like. 
we want to be dark and moody and we want to contemplate and think about things but then it's also like we just want to wear pink and have fun and i think that appeals uh so broadly uh to so many people and even men are people who are non-binary i think there's just something about just like having fun and dressing up and hanging out with your friends and maybe getting mimosas and maybe a little bit of existentialism because i do get that from the barbie trailer as well so um yeah yeah and it's Greta Gerwig. I mean, I know, like, Scott, <laughs> I was like, if y'all weren't go, if we weren't going as, like, a friend group, he would never see the Barbie movie. He, he, which is why I'm excited to see what he thinks about it, honestly. But he wants to hang out with everybody, and he's like, okay, he's excited about Oppenheimer. I'm excited about both. However, yeah. you know, I was a little, I get, like, very cringy about product placement movies, and I have, like, like the Emoji movie or something like that that seem like obvious cheap cash grabs. However, Greta Gerwig is directing. Margot Robbie's behind it. A lot of the, the cast list, it's so weird. The cast list for Barbie and Oppenheimer is just fucking amazing. Yeah. And I'm just like, you know what? I feel like Barbie is just a good fun time. And I think a lot of people are trying to express that and they just want to have a good time and represent as many different groups of people as possible in that movie. And I think that's admirable. I also think, and I've had this, you know, uh, discussion with people because like I, I volunteer at uh, Birmingham Festival Theater and, you know, we were kind of talking about like how like some shows that are more serious, like sometimes in, in times of stress, people want to see more fun things yeah, than, like, serious things because they just want to, like, escape. And I think Barbie is a little bit of an escape for this movie, whereas Oppenheimer is facing a cold reality. So I don't know. Yeah. It's polar opposites for sure. I uh, They've done a really, really good job about not really putting out review, review, review reviews of the movie. So they kind of are keeping their cards yeah. close to their chest. But there have been, like, tweets from, like, the Paris premiere of Oppenheimer and stuff. And there was one critic, and it really, really struck me because this one critic was like, I haven't sobbed saw because of a movie for the credits like I have in this one and so there has been a lot of very visceral reactions which is kind of like for Oppenheimer for Oppenheimer yeah for Oppenheimer so yeah a lot of people like have said that they they're just like they have this feeling it's like I was reminded that we are all doomed uh which I mean that's very very rough but people are also saying they're just like Chris Nolan literally puts you in that test room for the Trinity testing. So we know just from the trailers that they're definitely doing the Trinity test. But then I'm like, but I I know it hasn't been stated. But in my heart, I'm like, p- people keep talking about these reactions. I'm like, I think we're going to see Hiroshima and Nagasaki. I really do. Um, and I think that's what these reactions are coming from. Is It's yeah. how awful. Well, the thing is... Uh, so I've been listening to last podcast on the left has done a Manhattan Project series mm-hmm. leading up to Oppenheimer, and so I was listening to one of the episodes, and where they were, I think it was episode five of the series where they were talking about Hiroshima, and Nagasaki, and how you know a lot of in school a lot of people were it was presented to you as a student as like a necessary quote unquote necessary evil yeah. or like. Not evil at all, you know, and that's what, like, I think Ben said something like that. And I was like, you know, I don't remember how my teachers 
told me about it. But I do remember, and it's one of those things where, like, letting children have books available to them and not banning books. It's lightly on that, too. Because I remember we had an encyclopedia or a history book or something that had pictures of children in states of distress and people and what happens what happened to people for generations with the effects of nuclear war um and it really struck me and i saw it at a very young age and it didn't like scar me or give me nightmares but it made me realize that no matter how you wrap it up in a bow it was a horrible awful thing and it's something that i wish had never been unleashed into the world and everyone who created it felt the same way yeah and they you know everyone in the manhattan project said we should warn japan before we drop them we need to tell them that is the best case scenario and we should also share our information with russia because right now they're our allies so then we're not in a nuclear arms race and what happened was fdr chose truman as his VP, or I don't know if he chose him, but there was a more, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a more lenient guy who was trying to keep peace, and he was up for VP, and Truman got elected instead. And then Truman became the de facto president because everyone knew that FDR was going to die. And he only died like 80-something days after his last presidential Yeah. Um, election and Truman was like Truman and his group were like no we're not going to do that we're just we're it's it's cooler if we just drop it and I think it was because they were afraid of the embarrassment if they had dropped it and nothing had happened but I'm like but you still killed many 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 people millions right I mean millions with the after effects well that's the thing that I think when we talk about like children and when children learn things very young it creates very empathetic children so like if you're reading to children younger if you're letting children read at a very young age what happens they're able to kind of step into someone else's skin and kind of be like oh and so for me I read Sadako and the Thousand Paper Cranes when I was very young. And, of course, it's based on a true story, which Sadako was... I can't remember if her mother was pregnant with her or if she was a toddler during one of the bombings. But, essentially, uh, she survived and she grew up to be a pretty normal child. And then she ended up having, like, radiation cancer years later. That, yeah. that She started to die from it. And so there was a wish. She There was basically a saying that, like, if you made a thousand paper cranes, you could have a wish. And so, you know, that was the whole thing. So she was making cranes and her classmates were making cranes. And that really struck me probably as, like, a nine-year-old. But then yeah. the thing that kind of did it all, and it wasn't about the bombings, but... Um, it's kind of, well, it was about the Kobe bombings or the fire bombings, but oh, they were worse. That's something I'm glad last podcast went into is the fire bombing was actually mm-hmm. worse. Which okay, I'm correcting myself. It was ninety thousand one hundred and forty six thousand people in Hiroshima and sixty to eighty thousand Nagasaki. But it's the effects that it had on people. It's maybe it's probably like half. I would say so many people probably got cancer. Yeah from it and i don't know it doesn't say if it's counting that sorry it's not the millions i'm sorry it feels that way yeah but i mean i don't know i just am not so evil that i think it's okay to like 
I don't know. The greater good sacrifice thing always rubs me the wrong way. Yeah. I always think there's a way around that personally, but. That's the thing. So, like, when I was, like, 10 years old, there's an anime, and I think it's technically Studio Ghibli, but it's not Hollow Miyazaki, but it's Oh, it's the Fireflies. Grave of the Fireflies. Yeah. Yeah, I have, I have resisted watching it. I will watch it. I just, like, I know what it's about, and I'm just like, I just, who I just... Ah, well, like, I'm gonna sometimes I'm gonna ruin it for you guys, but it's not really ruined because it's in the first five minutes of the film. So in the first five minutes of the film, you see the 14 year old brother die of starvation at a train station, and then the rest of the movie is a flashback to him and his younger sister who are orphaned from the fire bombings, and they slowly starve to death. That's the movie, and it's very loosely based on a true story. And I saw this movie for the first time when I was about ten. But just yesterday, I actually read the short story that it was based on because I was thinking about it again. I was like, I knew it was based mm-hmm. on a short story. Let me find it. And so someone had translated it, put it online. Yeah, it's it's rough. And I think reading those books and, like, watching those movies, like, very deeply affected me. Um, so it's very fascinating. Because oh, yeah. I think even... The big thing with Oppenheimer is so, yes, he he helped created the atomic bomb, but then when they started talking about making the hydrogen bombs, he was very against it. And that landed him in all sorts of troubles. They were like, oh, he's a communist sympathizer. You know, he had friends that were communists. Why is he one? Yeah. He did. He He did. He was a communist. Yeah. Yeah. But that was the the whole thing is that they used your communist to blacklist you and... Take away your power. Because yeah. everyone thought being a communist was evil. Now we have people saying that, they're like, oh, socialism's evil. I was like, listen, I used to be think that the world was black and white. D- do I think that communism, socialism, in its purest form, work? No, people are evil and shitty and, and like, look at, you know, socialism has been tried in some places, like, com- in a complete way, and it doesn't work. But... Having aspects of socialism, having social programs, like look at a lot of Nordic countries, people are like the the quality of life is much better. It's because people have social programs to support them. So they're not just left to fend for themselves and left out to the wolves, you know, because that's what, you know, we should have social programs. But like, that doesn't mean like, I I don't understand why that seems evil to people, especially people because it's always like the right-wing people who are super Christian where they're like, well, you gotta pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I was like, did Jesus say that to the blind people that he gave vision back to? I don't remember that. I remember him just helping people regardless of their stature in life. And I remember him helping like, blessing Mary Magdalene and saying she's fantastic because, like, because people judged her because, you know, I don't Remember, they also wrote her the wrong way, too. Yeah, so I was just so saying. I was actually reading something, and I know you were raised Catholic, and I was raised by a Pentecostal father and a Baptist mother who had religious trauma, so we didn't really go to church in the same way. But I was reading recently that Mary Magdalene, there's a very good chance she wasn't a sex worker. and it was. Oh, I know. I don't think she was at all. I think she had been married before, because the true translation is she had one or two husbands. Yeah. And I think... They're like, oh, I was like, but also it was biblical times and women didn't have like, like at least Jewish women in that time and place didn't have like they couldn't own businesses like the ancient Greeks were uh, better about women. Women could own property, but I don't think at that time they could in Jerusalem and it was the Roman occupation. So you were especially 
put upon as a woman. So, of course, she got a second husband when her first husband died. I mean, like, that's how you survived. Yeah. If you didn't have a kid to take care of you. And, like, I'm like, yeah. No, they character assassinate her, too. I did want to say, so, even though Oppenheimer obviously seems very, very dark, it's, like, I'm very, very interested about it. I will say, on the flip side... With the Barbie film, I thought once we started getting these early kind of, you know, reviews, like these tweets and stuff, I was like, okay, Barbie's going to be like a mixed review film. I was like, there's going to be people who are going to love it or hate it. Surprisingly, most of the early reviews have been very glowing. And the one thing Mm -hmm. everyone seems to say in common is that Ryan Gosling is the true star of this movie and he deserves an Oscar nomination. That's something I see over and oh. over and over again. So I'm very, very curious of what we I'm, are going to see. I'm very curious. I know. I just think it'll be fun. And Oppenheimer's going to be a lot. But I think it is something people need to talk about, especially like with Russia being the way it's not, not the Russian people, the Russian war stuff going on, where it is kind of a scary possibility Uh, You know, I think people need to understand that people didn't create the atomic bomb thinking it was going to be as destructive as it was. And they didn't they didn't want to release it afterwards. And a lot of them recanted all of that work, because even though it was an amazing work of science, it, it it's not a good thing. It's a bad thing. And I, I think it's I'm I, I it's also an interesting story because a lot of them are very interesting people. And it's a huge cast, and I'm excited about And both of the movies are a huge cast. Yeah. Um, I did have housekeeping before we get too far. It's really quick. But it kind of goes with... Um, so one of them, um, I accidentally called Jane Adams Jane Levy at some point <laughs> on the last sidetracks um, in The Idol. It's Jane Adams, not Jane Levy. Dan Levy is a small part in it. And so I was like, oh, okay. But I don't know if you saw this. I shared it on our Instagram stories. But there was an um, there's an IndieWire article, and its title is "Jane Adams Slams the Idol Nudity Backlash and Toxic Set Allegations." It says, "Feminists, go fuck yourself." What is amazing to me is no one's listening by Samantha Burgesson, and it says that I, I guess she's saying it wasn't a toxic working environment, but. I'm like, my, I just want to clarify, my problem was not that there was nudity, but that the nudity seemed a little exploitative, but I'm not sure if it was. It just didn't feel great in that specific movie, in that show. I don't know. I'm not really offended by the fact that people are nude, and I don't, as long as everyone who was required to be nude was comfortable, who the fuck cares? But... It, it did seem exploitative. I don't know. I don't know if it was a toxic working environment because I wasn't there. But um, I didn't like it from a male perspective when it's a show about a female character. So that was my main thing. And I was about to say, and I have not watched a single episode of the show, but I thought about you because suppo- like one of my other friends um, on Instagram, he shared a post and basically it was like this little girl had been cast as, I guess, Lily Rose's Depp's sister. And they were talking about the original, the original Idol screenplay. They're like, yeah, you know, I'm so sorry. I wish my people could have saw my daughter. She was going to play this very feisty character who is Lily Rose's sister. And she's like, but the whole storyline got scrapped. Everything got scrapped. But it showed pictures. It was like very pink and very late 90s mm-hmm. and very Britney Spears, like early career looking. So I think that's very... Yeah 
interesting that you did have a show that maybe was more girly and poppy. And everything you've told me, it seems to be very opposite of what it was originally written to be. Yeah. And I think it's just a perspective shift. And I mean, again, I think people did an amazing job in it. I just think the whole thing's a mess. And I think part of that is that the vision changed and maybe it didn't change for the better. But it's, I mean, it's at least entertainingly bad. So, (laughs) and the performances are good. It's just cringy i don't know also i did watch the paparazzi video and yes i had seen it before i had just forgotten and i it, i forgot there was like a vertigo vertigo nod in the beginning because when she gets knocked off the uh balcony it's like vertigo with the spinny thing in the back i was like oh i did want to say so when we're talking about like movie premieres if you haven't heard already the sag after has joined the WGA strike. I actually wrote multiple notes on that. And the reason I did is because uh, one of my best friends was like, you and Katie need to have a conversation before recording of what you guys can and cannot do. So I actually was reading up. And so just to clarify, we are a podcast, yes. We fall along the line of film critics, which are not participating are a part of a strike we are not part of the writers guild of america we are not influencers and we do not make money for this podcast no in the future it would be lovely if we did or if you guys ever want to donate and see something special that's awesome but just to get all those things out of the way this what we do would not be crossing a picket line uh, I would say we are right. in solidarity with what these writers are wanting and what they deserve. Yes. So yes, and and the actors as well, because you know a lot of people are upset because not people who okay. And one thing I do want to clarify because I was talking with a couple friends who have no idea how acting and writing work in the Hollywood or they're just the professional market for t- film, television, theater. So the thing is, if it, just a, if you don't know, the reason they created unions for the writers and um, actors and performers and all that, and especially movies and television, is because like there was a time where the studios owned you and you made not a living wage, and they would dress you up like a doll and send you these premieres, but then you couldn't like choose what roles you wanted to do. And you had to stay with the same studio. And it was, and a lot of people like did not make good money and were like starving. Or like how Judy Garland was, where, you know. Or Judy Garland, where mm-hmm. they hopped her up on methamphetamines when she was a child. And her and Mickey Rooney were just like, cranked out movies. Used. Yes, just cranking them out like a machine. And so, like, that's one of the reasons that the Writers Guild and the. Uh, SAG-AFTRA were created so that uh, everyone could band together. And in the 60s, they did a strike that is very similar to this, but it was when television was coming out and syndication. And they were trying to figure out how do we make money from these movies if they're not just in theaters. And the basically, the studios didn't want to move forward and adapt because they didn't want to lose money. And so here's the thing that has struck me. If you if you don't know, um, I think one of the best stories, there's a really good article. I think it's the New Yorker or New York Magazine. Laverne Cox shared it on her Instagram about Orange is the New Black. 
most of the people acting on Orange is the New Black, if that was like one of their first roles, and I'm talking about people who are big supporting roles because that is an ensemble piece, could not quit their day jobs because they were not being paid enough. One woman has made $27 in residuals in like a year or some, or a month or something like that. That is ridiculous when that show made them millions and millions of dollars. That's the thing is the corporation, the corporate people are lining their pockets and they're not equally distributing it through their actors. There is also a great article called uh, the 2023 WGA strike for dummies and Vulture published this article and Alex O'Keefe, who is a writer for the FX series, the bear, which is now like an Emmy winning series is critically acclaimed. Yeah. So I was reading about him and when he was writing for this series, the AC went out in his apartment. So he had to write most of the stuff he was writing at the New York public library. Uh, his credit card balance was negative. So he had to literally like open a credit card just to buy his suit for when the show was nominated for an Emmy. This is an Emmy nominated like- show. That has made, on Hulu, that has made so much money. Yes. The thing is, it's not that, and the thing that happened with television is your show would get on syndication, and usually it had to hit 100 episodes, which is why 100 episodes is always a big deal for TV shows. But once it hit syndication, it would go on reruns, and then you would make a residual check every time it happened. It's just like um, uh, when you write a novel and you get um, royalties every time you sell a book. Like, just because, you know, and you Kirk from Gilmore Girls, who is James Gunn, who is in a lot of the um, movies with his brother. Uh, shit. Did I say James Gunn? Yeah, you did. Which gun? Who, which gun am I thinking of? James Gunn is who, like, uh, his brother is. James Gunn. No, James Gunn is the director. Yeah. Who his, is the brother? Who is ew, Kirk on he, Gilmore Girls? He's one of the Guardians of the Galaxy actors, isn't he? He's the one that has yes, Yon Yu's. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yondu's Kirk. Yondu's uh, that sounds right. The, the Mohawk thing. I forgot the Mohawk thing that like the oh, whistle. Sean Gunn. Yeah, Sean Gunn. Sean I'm Gunn. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so James Gunn's brother Sean Gunn was on Gilmore Girls. He's been in I almost every episode of Gilmore Girls, and they had over a hundred episodes. It is playing on Netflix. He is not receiving any, like hardly any money from it being played on Netflix. And you think about how many times someone watches it. You should get money every time someone watches that episode because that is your intellectual property and the thing is they have not evolved they don't want to because netflix was telling the people on orange is the new black that they weren't making money and that's what they weren't paying them but then they were telling their investors and their stockholders that they made more money than they ever had before and they keep raising the rates to the consumers so this is not about uh brad pitt or anyone super super rich and successful these are about the actors who are working every day who are living paycheck to paycheck and is a contractual job so once one job is over you may not have one lined up and if you can't get paid enough to save money between jobs then you're in the poorhouse. i had someone i met uh this really great actress shit i'm blanking on her name and it'll haunt me for the rest of my life Um, who I met, I was doing workshops in New York, and she literally was in a Tony-nominated Broadway show. She was the romantic lead, and when the show closed, she went back to catering. Yeah. And she said it was, like, the weirdest thing ever. And that, 
it's just like a normal thing, but there should, and I'm not saying like there's nothing wrong with going back to your catering job, but it's weird when you're actually on a show currently and you're still working that. That's like if you worked at McDonald's and then you got a job as a lawyer. Yeah. But then you still had to work at McDonald's because they weren't paying you enough. Like, well, that's just stupid. To put it in perspective, so, and this is directly from the Vulture article. So, WGA asked its writers to vote on authorizing a strike. And on April 17th, it was officially announced that members had voted to authorize a strike with an overwhelming 97.85% yes vote. So, almost 98% of the WGA was like, yeah, we're going to do this strike. I mean, that is... And I believe it's close with SAG after, too. It's yeah. overwhelmingly they want to strike. And there is... Uh, WGA did post uh, on their website, there's this, like, article link called Writers Are Not Keeping Up, in which case they cite many of these issues, and then they state what they're looking for. And the basic thing, they're like... Why serious budgets have soared over the past decade, medium writer-producer pay has fallen. So, in other words, we're seeing these huge budget shows, and it's just like HBO. They could be throwing millions and millions of dollars, but basically writers are staying stagnant in what they're making. Which, you don't have a show without a script. Yeah, exactly. You don't, and it... I don't understand. People just, like, do not appreciate writers. And the thing is, you don't see the writers. Yeah. Like, you see the actors. But it's just as important, if not more so. And I, it, it's just not fair. And it's, it's, a, it's a broader problem in corporate America with, you know, executives. I think it's something like the executives um pays has raised like something like 90 percent in the last like 50 years mm -hmm. but like it, that's not where workers are and that's it's fucked up it is and i i said hbo not to just throw hbo under the bus because it's it's all these major networks that is the issue so even netflix yeah. okay guys we all love Stranger Things. All love the last season. We are now projecting to see the Stranger Things final season in 2026 or 2027. Mm -hmm. That is how things... We may not... So this is, this is going to be a very interesting time for film and television because we will probably not see a lot of our favorite shows return for their normal seasons. Now, House of the Dragon is going to be a weird one because technically it's filmed in like countries like New Zealand and stuff. And I think technically they're out. Mm -hmm. So we may see House of the Dragon next season still. But Stranger Things... I'm trying to think of other shows like possibly Yellow Jackets. Ted Lasso officially ended the season. They were talking about doing a fourth season, yeah. but they officially so ended the season. Yeah, Barry too. Yeah. So in Succession, mm -hmm. which I wonder if a lot of them knew that this was coming because they don't so. just strike out of the blue. This has been months and months of negotiations that have gone nowhere, and that's what Fran Drescher is the SAG after. Oh, president she's right such now. a badass, and she. I love her. I know. She's so such a fucking queen. I love her. But she was, you know, she's like, you know, they just will not hear us. And there's fucking executives that are like, oh, we'll just wait until October is when everyone is homeless and desperate. to. And it's just, it's not okay. So if, if you have money and you can donate to legitimate funds that are going to help writers and, you know, actors who are not bajillionaires in this time of need where they won't be able to um work do um there is no call for a ban on any kind of audience participation yet like streaming ban or theatrical ban so i think we're all good to enjoy barbenheimer but i mean if, if that happens 
you know, we might just uh, do some movies that maybe we already own on DVD. Yeah. And aren't streaming, honestly. Like, that just might be the way we go. Um, But, I mean, the the thing is, like, theaters are getting back to normal. And that's a really important reason why they're doing it now is because they're like, we're happy, but we should all see some of that growth. Yeah. And it's just, it's just the disparity. You know, I went over it last episode. I went overboard with the disparity thing, but it's it's important that we talk about like because I mean I you know we both have uh, degrees in theater you know I the one the reasons why I didn't really pursue like go head on pursuing a career or even though like I did have an agent at one point was because like I couldn't afford to not pay my student loans. You know, and you do not make living wages unless you hit it super big right out of the gate. And I personally, the type I'm cast as, like, I'm a character actor. And that's always what I was told in college. And so, like, I just kind of knew that I wasn't going to get anything big until I was older. And, you know, that's annoying. But, like, it was kind of a reality that I was taught in college and so I, I didn't because I was terrified of being uh, starving <laughs> and being uh, in financial terror because, and I have friends who literally did get hired right out of college um, in professional theaters and had to go on food stamps, even though they were working like 24 hours a day at this theater. It's, it's, it's like if you've ever seen The Pursuit of Happiness and you see that the guy where he's in the unpaid internship, that's almost all of the acting gigs right off the bat is they either are not paying you. Which unpaid internships experience. are fucking evil. Like, I just. Yeah, unpaid internships is a bunch of bullshit. Like. It's, it's absolutely not okay. I think. It, so correct me if I'm wrong. I read this before, but I did not fact check it. I think America is like one of the only country in the world that actually do does unpaid internships. Probably. Like. It's fucked. Yeah. So like. That's the reality is most people that I know who are professional actors do have to keep a day job. And I don't, I think you should be able to do your job if you're working regularly. The only people I know who, that I know of who don't have to do a side gig while they're acting is like people who, like I have a friend, we have a friend who like was a stand in for a, a long, a pretty long running TV series. And he also did a bunch of other roles, but like that was his main gig. But, like, if that show, you know, ends, then you got to find another one. And that, uh, I mean, it just happens with contractual work, you know. And I think people don't really understand that people do have families. (laughs) And most actors aren't getting paid what Brad Pitt gets paid. We see these huge elevated numbers. I mean, I feel like maybe they pay some people too much and don't pay other people enough, you know, but also they're bringing in billions of dollars for these people. So, you know, I don't know if you're getting paid a million dollars to do the Barbie movie and it makes your company 5 billion. I mean, yeah. That's I don't think that's too much. But also, what if that was the only movie that that person did all year because that's the only part they got cast in. You know, it's just I don't know. It's it's wrong, and I'm yeah. We're both in solidarity with it. And if if they do call for like, 
hey, podcast, stop podcasting. We'll be there. We'll run reruns or something. Yeah. But, you know. But again, we don't make any money, so. And if there's something that, like, there's, like, any kind of thing where they're like, hey, you can protest, you know, get some. I'll, we'll protest if it's in our area, you know. Yeah. So, I mean. But, yeah, yeah. so. Because my friend did bring that up, and I was like, you know what? I was like, I've been reading about it, but I never once thought about it. as a podcaster, how how do we kind of talk about that, and what do we need to broach? And that's why I looked it up, and I wrote, yeah. forgot to write down the list, but there was a list that someone had compiled Q&As, and that was the main thing. It was like, film critics are sent from this, and they're like, if you're an influencer, it's very gray. You have to be very careful. I'm like, we're not influencers, thank God. Uh, so... <laughs> No, but they are thinking that the the studios might start kind of getting influencers who aren't union to start working, mm. like doing acting gigs, but then you'd be scabbing it. I don't know. It's a whole thing where, like, I can't really blame someone who's always wanted to be a professional actor for taking a gig that they wouldn't necessarily be offered at another time. But at the same time, I'm like, well, but that's scabbing. It's a whole thing. I don't know. It's I'm I'm pretty union positive because generally speaking, the reason there's a union is because it's needed. And I'm pretty anti-people. People who are afraid of unions are treating their workers subpar. That's just the truth. If you were treating your workers well... And fairly, completely, 110%, you would not be afraid of a union. And that's the whole point. But yeah, that was our two cents. I don't know. I don't know. I knew a lot of people who had no idea that, like, actors did, not all actors got paid, like, billions of dollars to be in a movie. And I was like, most people don't. It's, it, you're only hearing about the few and far between ones. Well, I even, you know, you know I love Jack Quaid because I love the boys and he's Huey on the boys and uh, he's also going to be... And he's an Oppenheimer. He is going to be an Oppenheimer, yeah. And so mm-hmm. I thought it was cute because it, he is like, what did he say? I think he says striking with the girls and it was like he was there and it was a <laughs> bunch of his female co- like female co-workers, the other actresses on the show that were out striking, like, you know, with the picket stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't even think about, like, Stranger Things, The Boys. Like, a lot of TV shows that I really, really love, we probably won't see new seasons anytime soon. But if that's what it takes to get changes, then I, I'm I'm okay with it. Because yes. I'd rather, you know, I'd rather people have livable wages than watch TV shows. TV shows are really nice. I love them. Yeah. But people need to have livable wages. Also, we wages. have so many television shows we can catch up with. Yeah. Until they call for us to not stream things. Yeah. And then we'll try not to stream them. It's, I mean, and the thing is just, yeah, solidarity. You don't understand how hard people work to get. It's so hard to be successful in this field, in writing or acting or directing or any of those things. And it's important that the people who have made it, quote unquote, do strike with the people who are the struggling actors and writers, because if that message can get across to those people, then there's some hope. So I'm proud of the people who are super rich striking too. But I mean, it's not for them. It's for the people who are struggling. And that's what people, I think a lot of people are like, oh, billionaires crying. I'm like, that's not why they're striking, you know. And also, just go to the WGA or SAG-AFTRA's website to get the news on it because 
I would trust them over the executives that want to make people starve. Also, they pissed off Ron Perlman, so that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. I would I would be terrified to piss off Ron Perlman. <laughs> but anyways, so uh, what did you watch this week, Britt? Did we want to talk about our favorite love-hate show to start with, or did we want to end it? We can talk about it. Yeah, so let's talk about uh, our favorite love-hate relationship, which is And <laughs> Just Like That. Uh, which is, of course, the sex... It got worse. I'm just The kidding. sex in the city... Uh, you know what? I actually, there was a part of this episode I liked, and I bet you I bet you probably know what which part. Which one? This most recent one. Okay. Because I think... I don't know... I don't think episode four was out when we talked about it last time. I don't think it was either. So... Yeah. So episode four and five just came out in between the last episode. Alive and Trick or Treat. Yeah. And Trick or Treat, so I have to say, so Carrie's back with her full mixed pattern fashion because she's wearing like this fabulous ensemble. Mm -hmm. Like it's this like trench coat. Little hat. Yeah, little hat. Like I love it. I can never pull it off, but she looks fantastic in it. I'm like, she's mixing patterns. It It reminded me of the horse dress you like so much. (gasps) I love the horse dress. dress. It kind of reminded me of a little bit, but like with a hat. And I was like, I wonder if they're going to bring some of her vintage pieces out throughout the series because they've already done the wedding dress but i wonder if they're going to do like a couple more vintage pieces well they even show them they even have been talking a few different times like even charlotte in this episode is like oh i'm wearing vintage ralph lauren so you know they are kind of throwing a little Mm -hmm. bit back which i i love vintage fashion um i actually follow a few local birmingham fashion places that actually have clothes from the 1920s 30s and 40s the only thing I don't hate it, but the only thing about 20s, 30s, and 40s fashions is that they're not very... You don't find a lot of pieces that are what I would say a modern size 10 lady would be. It's usually more the piss heat stuff. Now, 60s, 70s, 80s, I feel like we do get a lot more 10, 12s, 14s. Uh, But yeah, but all this to say, so Katie, so one thing that like bothers me is so like... I was doing the math because I was like, wait, how old is Brady supposed to be? Because they're talking like he just graduated high school and he was supposed to start college. But then, like, I did the math and I looked back because I was like, okay, we're celebrating 25 years of Sex in the City. He was born, I think, at the end of fourth <laughs> or fifth season. Shouldn't he be, like, 21, 22 years old? Does time not assist in the spectrum of... It does not. Okay, that's what it is. It okay. I don't think it does. Okay. I'm going to be honest. Because I was even thinking about, like, Aiden and Carrie's breakup when she sees him. And it's, like, nine months later and he has this little plump baby. I was like, did him and his wife, like, conceive the first night they met? Because, like, I don't think he would have a baby that fast. Like, I mean, just just these are the type of things I think about watching Sex and the City and just like that. I mean, I guess he could be, like, 22 if he took a year off between high school and school. Yeah. That would make sense why he was, like, hanging out with his girlfriend so Mm -hmm. much. Because he didn't have high school anymore. Because they don't go to his graduation the year before. So, I would say he's probably taking a gap year. So, I'm going to say he's 20 or 21. The Brady-Miranda-Steve relationship is interesting. I don't know. It's weird because, like... Miranda has so Miranda hasn't asked Steve to move out because she feels bad and then he's like punching things but then apparently in the next episode that hasn't aired yet he's like I don't want to move out and um it's just a whole weird family dynamic and then Brady's like they're at family therapy and he's like you know good with his breakup with his girlfriend but then he's like 
well, we need to talk about your breakup. And they're like, oh, we're not going to talk about that with you. And I'm like, it's just this, this weird thing of, like, they're just not talking about them getting divorced. Yeah. Like, they're not talking to each other. They're not talking. And and also, I've noticed there's a pattern in Miranda's relationship with Che that is, like, the exact same pattern of her first relationship with Steve. Which is, their schedules don't mix, but they have great sex. And, oh my god, we're on two different life paths. But it's very interesting. Like, been there, done that. Because this Miranda is, like, a lot more tender. Like, you see her being the one to apologize yes. a lot more. But I thought the yes. part that was really kind of sad, and that was also... I don't know if they intended it to be meta. I think they did, but I, I, I'm obviously not a writer for it just like that. But it's when Che's getting the feedback. And all the yeah. feedback she's getting is the feedback you heard during the first season when people hated the character. And seeing Sarah yes. Mara's reaction was just, like, heartbreaking because that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, fuck. Like, this is a probably what she, they were yeah. they were going for reading these interviews about them all during the first, uh, first season. So, But it is... It's valid criticism. I do feel bad. I want Sarah Ramirez to know that it is not their fault. It's the writing. At all. Yeah. And it's the writing. And I mean, and she, they, yeah. sorry, they say that in the, um, in the show, they're like, I told them it sounded fakey because no one would listen to them about how to genuinely portray. And they had all these problems with the show, like Tony Danza playing their dad, but Tony Danza isn't the right heritage and like it's weird and them having to change a bunch of stuff because like it's just because of the writers and that's what they want and you know it's that feeling of like being authentic is more important than being hip I would say and I think it is very boomer humor and I agreed with the person (laughs) who said that I was like yes it is but I feel bad for Che and I do feel bad for Sarah Ramirez and I feel bad for um, Cynthia Nixon because I do think – I think both of them feel very personal about their characters because I think Cynthia Nixon did go through coming out later in life. Yeah. And so did Sarah Ramirez. And I totally understand that. And I, I want to be behind it, but it, the writing just sucks so much that it's just like – it's like you almost set these characters up to be – disliked i think and that's on the writers i think we see this common criticism too of like and just like that as a parody of sex in the city like it's hard (laughs) it's hard like buying it as the sequel series to sex in the city when it feels like a parody unto itself okay so i I, it is getting better with carrie and charlotte though i like carrie dating you know, she she dates another guy, and she's a classic Carrie relationship, one episode relationship where she stands in the bike lane while her friend is telling her about uh, the the penis pump penis pump yeah. guy, <laughs> which I was like, oh, that's a perfect. I do love that character. I think she's great. Seema, 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 Seema. I love Seema. Um, because she is very much, she's definitely a Samantha insert, but she does a great job as a Samantha insert. And, um, which is why, like, I kind of wish they would just not ever mention Samantha. Because <laughs> I'm like, we already have Seema and I miss Samantha, but, like, it's fine. I, like, you know, Seema is a great replacement. 
And uh, and she's a different character than Samantha, which I, I like. She's a replacement, but she is different, which is a good writing thing. But Carrie stands on the bike lane, and this biker breaks his wrist, and she takes him to urgent care, and he turns out to be really cute. By the way, that's Mariska Hargitay's husband. Yes, I, I knew up, I he like, looked familiar. I was like, why? I mean, he's an actor in his own right, but like... That like he and Mariska Hargitay have been married for years too. My mom was and he's obs- been acting on my, obsessed with Mariska Hargitay. Yes, or him. yeah, my mom was because she loved Olivia Vincent. So that's like that's why I'm like, damn, it, I knew he looked familiar because mom would be like, did you see her husband? He's so good looking. And like I think Mariska had her first child and adopted her second, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah. And his name is oh sorry I'm um, Peter Harmon yeah. but he's done a lot a lot of television he was on Blue Bloods and Law and Order That's, he was on Law and Order as well my mom's favorite show was Blue oh Bloods. and he just did the the Good Night Mommy remake oh. cool but he's he's an actor in his own right but anyways and then it turns out like he's he doesn't realize it but he's basically married to his business partner because like he's calling him every five minutes. And Carrie's like, I'm out of here. And I was like, per- it, it was like, remember the episode with the jazz musician? Yeah. That she was like, like, I have an orgasm with him, but I, I'm not in love with him. And I've never had that before. And like, at the end, like, she just has sex with him one more time. She's like, ah, this is over. But like, this was nice. I was like, that is a, that is a Carrie relationship where she tries to figure everything out in one episode and it doesn't work out. And she just, okay, bye. Also, I love that Carrie has money now. And in the episode with Candace Bergman, as her old editor, where she has her new magazine, and she's like, write me a check. And it's kind of nice to see Carrie, like, have some power, you know? Oh, but that's the only thing that does make me sick. Now, I get it, like, there are people like these characters actually live in the world, but when, like, the I forgot the one character. I love her. She's a great character. Um, and I think she was, she married Nathan Lane character in the original Sexist. Bitsy. Thank you, Bitsy. Bitsy, right? Bitsy. Bitsy? But wasn't Bitsy like, yeah, it only cost $60,000 for this facelift. I'm like, oh my god, what I would do at $60,000 and would not be getting yeah. a facelift. That would not be the first thing. Um, But okay, so... No, definitely not. As a little, like, joke that I know you must have got and loved that I love too. So Herbert's Halloween costume. Wait, who which one? Oh! Oh my god! So, <laughs> yeah, thank you! Okay, so Herbert is Chris Jackson. Yeah. Chris Jackson played George Washington in... Uh, Hamilton, mm-hmm. and <laughs> he comes to the Halloween bar late, and his wife's like, where's your George Washington costume? I was like, y'all, That's we already it. know he's in Hamilton. <laughs> and then he dresses up in it and is like, I'm gonna come invade you. The Brit- Oh, he says the British are coming. Yeah. And she's like, that was Paul Revere, and he's like, oh, well, George Washington never said anything about coming. And I was like, That's just so fucking... I was like, it's... I love the that couple, but I'm like, listen, we already know. It's season two. That was a season one joke you should have made. Just saying. But it was the also the wig sucked. His wig in Hamilton was much better and they had a much smaller uh fucking budget for Hamilton. Oh sure. was he wearing a wig in <laughs> Hamilton? I thought he just had the hat and he that he had a shaped head. I thought he had a wig at some point. That was the thing cuz you can't really be George Washington without a, I can't I cuz I was didn't they mostly not have wigs in Hamilton because other than like King George because that was like way way too much like 
don't know. Now I'm gonna look. Now I'm gonna look it up because, like, for some reason, I'm like, I, I, I saw him in a wig. I love George. No, maybe he didn't. No, he just had the uniform. George okay. Washington is like one of my favorite characters in Hamilton. So. He had the hat. That, yeah, he had the hat. The hat. That's what I was I'm, thinking. This is okay. how big of a fucking Hamilton nerd I am. I'm just like, yeah, he has the hat and right hand man, but by the time we roll around to one last time, he's not wearing that. Yeah. He has the hat. But anyways, it was funny, but I was also like, and we get it. We know. Who doesn't know who was in Hamilton at this point? Who also would watch in just like that? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, anyways. Maybe it's but not it was, as... Okay, I was cute. Maybe it's not as big of a demographic crossing as we think it is, though. <laughs> maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm like, Hamilton was pretty big. There's a yeah. lot of people, like, they hear you're, like, an actor or, like, you have a theater degree. They're like, I love Hamilton. You're like, great. But, yeah, that – and I like Charlotte and Rock, how Rock wants to be a model and Harry's all like, I'm suspicious. And then he puts on that fucking wig and comes in. It's really – that was funny. But it also felt kind of like – like pointless because like it didn't end up being a scam yeah and nothing really no confrontation happened charlotte was just like get out of here or rock will never trust you again and i was like it was good on charlotte being a good wife and parent but i was also like something should happen it was a little maybe something will happen in the next episode i don't know but it was a little bit like why did we go through this if there wasn't going to be some kind of confrontation at the end but at least it wasn't predictable I guess. Also, Anthony's just randomly dancing in the beginning of the episode, and then you don't see him the whole rest of the episode. Yeah. They're like... But Naya had some sex. She did. Good for Naya. She did. And I like her character, too. I like when she's talking about the one-night stand, and then she changes, like, drops into professor mode, and she's like, good morning, ladies. Like, you know... Good morning, ladies. Yeah. Yes. It's very funny. And also, like, her providing Miranda with a place to stay. And that's the thing where, like, Miranda's like, I can't stay at my old house and I can't stay at Che. Che annoys me that their friends are at their house until two in the morning when they know that Miranda has work or class early the next day. Cause I'm like, I get it, but like you couldn't have cut it at like midnight. Like there can't be a compromise. It just seems like but they don't really care about that. This is also like Miranda, like in her, like, I guess it's because, you know, like, she, I think she's almost afraid of losing Chase, so she's almost, like, super people pleaser at this point, where she's like, it's fine, yes. it's fine, it's fine. Like, because she says it's that. It's a little desperate. It's, like, a little desperate. It's almost like we're seeing Miranda I don't Miranda like flip. seeing Miranda like that. Yeah. Yes. And, I mean, like, Miranda was always the person to not compromise, and sometimes that me- meant she was being a bit of an asshole, but sometimes she was doing it for a good reason. Like, when she was like, I'm not going to deal with you dating big again because I've already walked you through that heartbreak, Carrie. I honestly think Carrie needed that at that moment because Carrie is stupid, was stupid when it came to big, and, you know, I think... I don't think Big was the best person for her. I mean, obviously, she loved him very much and all that. But, I mean, they didn't have a really good relationship in the series. They end up having a good one in the movies after he leaves her at the altar accidentally. Oh, my God. But, like, 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 they really didn't have a good marriage until 
after the series <laughs> I was, a good relationship. I always think of, uh, so my, uh, and Katie's friends with my friend Samantha, and my friend Samantha's been one of my best friends since I, I was 15 years old, but, um, Samantha. We always, she always <laughs> says the part in Sex in the City, the first movie, reminds, she's like, you know, you're such a Charlotte, because there's the scene where, like, Carrie's beating the shit out of Big with her bouquet, and then she throws herself in Charlotte, and Big starts to approach, and Charlotte gets that, no! Like that, like, you come near her, I'm gonna yeah. knock you the fuck out. I was like, yeah, that is absolutely me. That, that is, like, absolutely mm-hmm. 110% what I would do in that situation. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. So, but I thought, I, and that was the thing that Miranda kind of did have that character development where, like, when she dates Steve the first time, she's like, this isn't going to work. She just always is like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And yet she comes back to him and they end up dating. And, like, their relationship is great, but, like, their schedules are off and they're just in different places in life. And then, but they amicably break up and they get back together and then they accidentally have a baby. But like by the end of the series, she's kind of softened as a person a little bit and she's become a mom and she's still Miranda, but she is a lot more gentle and she is a lot more understanding. It's also that beautiful moment when she's taking care of Steve's mom. Yeah. Oh my god. Like, I mean, the last season made me cry like so many times. Like, let's be real. And Miranda and Steve had such a beautiful journey in the last season. Like their wedding, which is like the simplest wedding, but like they just like they're just having beers and they're like, I wanna marry you. I wanna marry you too. And it's very lovely. Maybe that's why I'm just sad about Miranda and Steve not working out. And maybe that's why I'm so negative about Che is that I think we got a really good happy ending with Miranda and Steve, and they seemed like the most successful marriage and they seem to have already worked through so them having that couple have issues i would have rather had this storyline with carrie well i don't i couldn't see carrie being brave enough to be in a relationship that wasn't heterosexual i'm gonna be honest yeah carrie doesn't seem like she would well even experiment yeah (laughs) carrie gets uncomfortable and like leaves during the whole like strap on talk so Oh, my God. Also, yeah, one carries a prude now. But she's always been, like, a little bit more of a prude than Samantha when it comes to anything past, like, like basic sex talk. But but also, can we talk about the threesome that almost happened? But I that was another thing where I was just like, okay. I mean, I'm, there's nothing wrong with it, but it was just like... Okay. It feels like... What is this relationship? I know. It's like Miranda's very understanding because for me, it would be like... It'd be like, okay, like, I'm not trying to be a prude, but this is not something we talked about. Like, it, like you know, like, if you're, like, dating and you're just yeah. like, would you be open to a threesome? Are you interested in having a threesome? And obviously, Miranda's yeah. caught off guard, but she's like, okay, I'm trying to be spontaneous. And it's like, but you're trying to be baby spontaneous. Are you really spontaneous? Or is this just a new you you're trying yeah. on? Yeah, and that's kind of how I feel with her, is that it is kind of the new her trying things on but you know what it's a journey and again then Che at the end of the last episode when their show gets canceled is like I just need a few days alone and Miranda's just like oh okay and I was just like oh poor Miranda poor Che I feel bad for Che I like Che as a character I just wish they weren't dating Miranda so it because it just feels like it still feels forced 
But I do like them as a character, and I do like their character development. So maybe Miranda and Che will break up amicably, and we'll still see Che. Yeah. Maybe Che and Carrie will have a new podcast by themselves. That'd be interesting. I don't know. Okay, yeah. I don't know. We'll see what next episode brings. It's a little early for a Halloween episode in July, but I guess Halloween in July? Yeah. Question mark? Well, Michaels has Halloween products now, so... I Our know, merchandise. I stop by that Thank- Joanne Crafts. Thanks, Stephanie. Stephanie messaged me this morning was like, Halloween merchandise is at Michael's. So, yeah, good times. I do love Halloween merch. I do, too. Anyways, this very quickly, speaking of Halloween, I did watch The Invitation on Netflix. Oh, okay. And I know you had already watched it, and I was pleasantly surprised. Really? It was much better than I thought it was going to be. Was it amazing? But, like... I liked, you saw it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So with uh, Natalie Emanuel? Yeah. Yes. So spoilers. It was a very interesting take on the Dracula tale. I liked the Jonathan Harker, Mina Harker nod and the twist with the three brides. But Bri- Frankenstein did have three brides. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is, oh, all, everything's there. It was, it was interesting. Again, not the most brilliant thing in the entire world, but it was a fun watch. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. I would agree. It was like an yeah. okay-ish watch, but... It was it was it was interesting. It was one of those movies that I was like, I, I don't know if I watch it again, but I mean, it kept my attention the entire time I was watching it for sure. I will say it was the movie I turned on while I was doing this week's artwork. So yeah, <laughs> I wasn't like it was a nice like background movie. So yeah, check it out on Netflix if you want to watch it. What else did you watch this week? So I've been continuing. I did not watch today's episode yet because our internet got knocked out for a little while for some weird reason. Um, oh no! But I am continuing usually watching how i met your father it has gotten better it's still not like brilliant but i will say someone pointed out (laughs) something that i should take grace and think about is that they're like sitcoms aren't really great like the thing about sitcom there's great moments in sitcoms but they're not actually just top tier television for the most part and then they're like someone goes if you remember not every episode of how i met your mother was that great i was like yeah maybe that's the nostalgic part of me it's putting yeah. How I Met Your Mother on a pedestal. So How I Met Your Father is getting better. That's true. I'm going to say something that's slightly spoilerish. And I say slightly because we won't know the exact outcome. And this is one of these shows that will probably be affected by the writer's strike as well. So the great thing in How I Met Your Father, which is like a different on the original twist. In the original show, of course, Ted's telling his children how he met their mother. And this show, Sophie's talking to her son, adult Sophie, is played by Kim Cattrall. And then... R.H. Sophie, which is yeah. still adult Sophie, is paid, played by Hilary Duff. But she's talking to her son on, like, FaceTime. We can't see her son. Like, it's like it's almost like a screen's looking at her. But she talks about the day she meets his father. And she meets four potential guys that day. So she's like, that's the day I met your father. So it's like, we know it's going to be one of these four guys. And so the guy is really... He- well, that's good. Yeah, it's... So the guy it keeps hinting hinting heavily at is named Jesse. And it's uh, his name... The actor is Chris McDowell. He was the... Um, and Promising Young Women, the end of the film, the guy that ends up being her friends. Oh! That's that actor, yeah. Yes. So he is a good-looking guy. Unfortunately, he did not play a savory character in Promising Young Women. But all no. this to say, so they keep... Uh, or Chris Lowe. Chris Lowe. I'm sorry. I just call him Chris McDowell. Wrong actor. Chris Lowe. All this to say, they keep yeah. hinting heavily as Jesse. Well, the other guy is like a, a bumble date. And then the other guy is, like, her best friend's 
on again, off again boyfriend. And then there's Sid, and Sid's engaged and ends up getting married at the end of season one. So in my head, I was like, you know, the real twist would be if it was Sid, because Sid's married. Well, in comes, uh, so basically one of the writers from How I Met Your Father got fired, was very mad, mm. and was like, by the way, guys, it's the Indian guy. Which is, which is <gasps> Sid. Oh, no. I'm, we'll get the actors yeah. right now. Oh, no. So my thing is, I don't know if that's the truth, if now they will stick to that ending, or if they're going to have to pull all their cards and go back and try to rewrite how it's going to end because he did that. But I was like, I had told Taylor before, and Taylor doesn't watch this show, I'm like, Sid? Sid is the, like, would probably be my least likely option, which makes him, makes me think maybe it could be him. But as soon as he said that, I was like, oh my god, that is, it's awful, 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 awful that you would, but I don't, that's so I don't know mean. all the details that went down that got him fired either. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Maybe they weren't paying him enough. I actually maybe. Oh, plot twist. Maybe. Maybe I need to research more into this now that you brought that up. So yeah, I don't know, but. but also I don't know anyone else that watches this show other than me. So I. <laughs> I don't even know. I didn't start it from the beginning, and now I'm kind of like. Should I start it? It's I goofy. Know. I have so much stuff I need to yeah. finish that I'm just like, oh, another thing. I don't know. I did start watching Jury Duty, <gasps> which is a goofy People show. People love that show. Yes, and so they um, told a non-actor that he was called up for Jury Duty, and everyone else involved in the case is an actor. And they didn't tell him until the series wrapped and they just said they were doing a documentary about the jury process so you have james marston who's one of the jury members who's just acting like a hollywood asshole who's like oh i i don't need to be here because i'm an actor and he's like getting like a tarantino movie but he won't tell the director's name and he's like reading the script he's like oh i have a really important meeting blah 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 and like they end up getting like sequestered because of James Marston doing something. And so it's all these people, like the guy that played the garbage, the garbage collectors, the sanitation collector um, on Parks and Rec, the guy that had the, the, the weird thing on his dick and he sent everyone a dick pic and then it turns out he had like a very serious venereal disease. Oof. That guy, he's one of the jurors. And there's a bunch of people that I've seen in small bit parts of stuff that are the jurors. But, like, people that, like, you wouldn't necessarily recognize walking down the street. The only person who's recognizable is James Marston. And because he's playing it off, like, oh, everyone's going to recognize me and he's playing himself. The guy, the real person just kind of, he's a very nice guy. His name's, I think, Robbie. He's very nice. And he's, like, just a super nice, sweet guy. And apparently at the end of the show, they do tell him oh. and they paid him. But, like, it is interesting because it's mostly, like, you can tell that a lot of it's improv. It's almost like a prank show, but everyone's in on it except one person. And it goes for eight episodes. So I'm only on episode three, but it is very funny. And two of the writers, at least one of the writers was involved in The Office. So it's kind of got those vibes. And, like, it's, it's, and I just did the jury process. I just did jury duty. So I will say, like... At first, I was like, oh, they're pretty accurate. And then I'm like, eh, they wouldn't do that. But, I mean, it's interesting. And it is definitely funny. And it's if you just want something to laugh at, 
definitely do that. I don't know if they're going to do a season two because now everyone will suspect it. Yeah. You know, you can't set it up the same way. I didn't know that was the premise when I started watching it. I thought it was just something about jury duty, but I was like, that is interesting. But yeah, they also take everyone's cell phones away, which is not what they do for juries usually. So he can't like Google it or anything. So it was interesting. Um, I I will keep watching it, but um, I was, I had to go edit. So I had to stop (laughs) watching it on Sunday. I was like, okay, we got through three episodes, but I, I like it. I think you'd like it too. Cause you like the office. Oh yeah. That's the thing. It's like still fall asleep to the office almost every night. We, um, so I will say the last two little things I've watched. So, um, it just aired like two weeks ago, but I did watch. Uh, so, as you know, I'm I'm an anime child at heart. I grew up on anime. I loved it, uh-huh. and so I I don't even know where I saw this trailer, but there was a show on Netflix. It's called My Happy Marriage, and I saw the trailer for it. And I was, oh, it's like so. It's based on like the slight manga, and essentially, and when I say light, it's like it's directed at like older teenagers. Um, but essentially, this like young woman Hi. is is like a part of this very rich family. She's the eldest daughter, but she doesn't have any, like, special powers because, like, in this world, people have, like, certain powers. And so she's, like, constantly abused by, like, her stepmother and her younger sister. Her dad just doesn't give a flying fuck about her, it seems. So they marry her off to, like, this man who's supposedly, like, very, like, brutal. Uh, But it turns out that he's actually, like, not as awful as everyone says he is. And it seems like after this life of misery, she's essentially marrying a man that actually may make her happy. So it's just... I've read, like, four romance novels that have that plot. Yeah. It's a good one. It's, like, it's very simplistic. Um, but the animation is really beautiful. It's set during, like, the Meiji Restoration period in Japan, which is, like, I think the late 1890s. So, like... Oh, okay. So, it's, like, a way back. Yeah, and so, like, but there's the long, like, kimonos and, like, the Western wear. And it's just, like, really pretty. And, like, the episodes are only, like, 20 minutes long. So, I've been watching that. Uh, and then I watched, uh, Save Ralph... Which I didn't know was like a viral thing a couple years ago, but basically it's this four minute short, and they're interviewing a tester bunny, and the tester bunny is played by Taka Wahidi. It is brutal. Um, now the one thing that makes me feel kind of better is that I'm just like, I've been like trying to buy all cruelty free beauty products and stuff for a couple years now, but it just like broke my damn heart i was like it's only four minutes long but i was like shit why did i do this to myself i don't think i can watch that but that's a great thing i know i once tried to make a youtube video i never finished editing it where i went through all my makeup and tried to figure out which ones were cruelty free and it was amazing there are a lot of brands who do strive to be cruelty free but you do have to look but yeah, it does make. I do try. I do try to look for the little bunny rabbit. Yeah, the leap. The leaping bunny is a big thing. Leaping bunny certified means it's cruelty free, and the PETA stuff means it's cruelty free. Cause that's what I went to Ulta just last week to get foundation match, and the young lady was very sweet. And I was like, yeah, I was like, it's been a couple years since I bought foundation, and I was like, and the thing is, I have a lot of pink in my skin. And she's like, well, let's take you on over to Lacombe. And I was like, I- it has to be cruelty free. Cause as soon as she said that, I was like, I knew they weren't cruel free so she's like well how yeah. about we look at like tart or Too face so i was like okay we can look at tart or Too face because i know they're both cruelty free yeah so i did watch two more okay. things oh no did you watch anything uh else? a few other things but i can save it for next size track well i just i won't go too far into it did you 
you watch what we do in the shadows, right? I only the movie. I've never seen the TV show. <sighs> okay, well, season five just premiered, and it's great. So I highly recommend you all watching it. I won't go into details if you haven't watched it yet, because but if you like the movie, I will say so. Scott saw the TV show first and loved it. And so I finally got him to watch the movie, and he really liked the movie, but he's like, I do think the TV show is better. I was like, I agree, because the TV show, one, it's more modern. But two, also, they were really able to go further and make the universe of the vampires much bigger. And the characters in the movie come back in bit parts in the TV show. So I highly recommend, if you like the movie, watch the tv show and it's taika watiti and um jermaine clements are still involved in the tv show as well um it's great i love it but there's also a tv show on amazon prime that i just started watching called the horror of dolores roach and it's basically a sweeney todd riff and um it's like a woman gets out of prison she goes to prison for 16 years uh to keep her boyfriend out of prison and she comes back and he's already left and she's in Washington Heights in New York and she ends up uh she's a masseuse like she she learned how to massage people in prison and no one will hire her so her old friend who owns an empanada shop um in this gentrified part of New York City uh lets her do massages and she ends up like killing people out of I think protection and then I think they end up baking people in the empanadas. Oh, I haven't gotten that far. Okay. But I'm like, that's fun. And there's a whole thing where, like, they've turned her life story. Because it was a podcast originally. And they turned her life story into a musical or a play. And so she's telling the woman who's playing her on Broadway the story to set it straight. Which is really funny. That's amazing. And last but not least, if you want a bad movie to watch... Uh, Scott and I went something to watch at bedtime, and we ended up watching this movie called Sharks of the Corn. Okay. <laughs> it was released in 2021, and its alternate title is Stephen with a V, Kang's Sharks of the Corn. And it is just, it's a, it's a, they're purposefully being bad, but I will say... They do it really well because it's it's bordering on the line of the movie's bad, but also I think they're trying to be purposely bad, but it's not so purposeful that it's not funny. So highly recommend it. It was streaming on, I want to say Amazon Prime. It might have been like Shudder. Uh, I don't think it was Shudder, but it was like a free movie. And uh, we watched that and that Evan Straw movie that I talked about months ago that was also that really low budget movie that was made by like basically a group of retirees in Massachusetts and made recently. So both these were made really recently and low budget movies. But if you like that, uh, it's, it's the shark one takes place in Kentucky and sharks are killing people in a cornfield and there's a shark cult and it's really, really stupid. So highly recommend if you just want a stupid watch. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just want to mention that. That's amazing. It left an impers- impression. It's amazing. It's pretty good. But that's all I watched. Uh, but next week we'll watch Mandy. We will. On uh, Shudder and you said 2B, right? Yeah, that's why I saw it almost 2B. Mandy. Yeah. Mandy. Sorry, Nick Cage. And we will check back with you next week. So be sure to get some rest. Go see Barbie Heimer. Yeah. Barbie Heimer. <laughs> 
And uh, unless they, they call for a strike, then, you know, then we won't. But they did all walk out on the premiere. Yeah, though. at Oppenheimer, they did. But yeah, I don't know what else I want to say. Have a good week. Be kind to each other and make good choices if you can. Have a good time and uh, wear your sunscreen when you're outside. Yes, the sunscreen is for very sure. important this time of year. So it's like I've been noticing even with sunscreen, I've gained a couple of freckles. Uh, so, yeah. Be wary in the sun. Um, Drink a lot of water. Stay hydrated. Please stay out of the sun, like, especially between, like, noon and four. That's the hottest part of the day. Um, Mm -hmm. Keep those fur babies off the concrete. Spay and neuter those fur babies. Please, God. Uh, But, yeah. Oh, my God, And watch all the movies. Uh, Check out some of the ones. And TV shows. Oh, and then if you see something you think we should watch, DM us and let us know because we will watch it if you recommend it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm very excited about it. Much excited. Yes. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see you guys later. Yeah, then. I was about to say, we just look forward to seeing you next time. Same spoopy time, same spoopy channel. Stay spoopy, Stay y'all. Spoopy, y'all. Bye. Bye. Grindhouse Girls Podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Britt Ray. Our editor is N.R. Moody. All music used is royalty-free and can be found in our annotations. You can follow us on all of our socials. And if you have any comments, questions, or just want to say hey, our email is contactus at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening.